0: Hello, 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 Jnack Podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcaster first G. Back in the building after a wonderful Christmas. I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas. And we still on this holiday road. New Year's Eve is coming up here soon. Um, this whole week has been just lazy. You know, that's what we do between Christmas and New Year's. We we we're lazy. You know, shout out to the people though that do have to go to work. You know, I I I love you, and your your blessing is on the way. But for us, we just we lounging around. We it's hard to get up. We I wonder if it's even still leftovers in the, in the refrigerator. But you know, like I said, hope everyone had a blessed Christmas as we uh, keep moving forward toward this new year. Um, the JNAC Podcast is back, so even though I did say I was lounging, we we are on the airwaves, still here for you. And man, oh man, I've been waiting. <sighs> for this episode of Meet the Pastor because this gentleman I have today is quiet as kept, is, might be my favorite pastor out of all of them. Now, a matter of fact, not might be, is. <laughs> Amen. is my favorite pastor. <laughs> Amen. So don't, don't, don't let it, JNAC, don't let anyone know that I said that, all right? Keep People on. that's listening, don't, don't tell nobody. Keep but that on the low. This brother here is a pastor. He is a preacher. He's a husband, a father. An entrepreneur. He's a business owner. He is a world traveler. And he is, like I said, my favorite pastor on the team. Amen. Pastor. Marcus McAllister, how are you, sir? I am good. And I, by the, for the record, I have
1: stuff left in my refrigerator, so I, you know. Oh, you do have leftovers, yeah, a little here and there. But, okay, you know, I got to okay. stash some stuff. My family don't know where it's at, but I'm, I'm gonna have some more. That's that,
0: right. And I know the Christmas was blessed, man. The yes, family indeed. all here. You got your, you got your young one back for, for, for what? How long is she back till? She's
1: back now from. I think she got to go back on the 21st. So we got her all the way to January 21st. Oh,
0: okay, that's my birthday, man. Y'all, she 23rd? leaves on my birthday. She Okay.
1: Yep, she 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 got to be back in school on that Monday the twenty oh, first, okay. so she'll probably leave the nineteenth. Yeah, that's or my birthday. Like that.
0: So all right, y'all podcast right. listeners, my birthday is coming up twenty first of January. That's Mark right. it down.
1: Hey, we put that that segue was great. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so
0: uh, Marcus, I'm glad to have you on here, brother. Man, you know glad me and you always here. chop it up. That's right. Uh, like I said, you you are my favorite man. I'm, you know, I don't I don't mean to slight anyone else, but it's just it's just you you just me and you vibe man. well together. And,
1: and and it's no secret that me and you just happen to be Laker fans. I, we we hard Lakers. I wasn't gonna, gonna bring put that, that out up, there, but, but hey, but man,
0: I think you're you know, right. I think I think I think they get the gist of it around here. We're right,
1: not, we're not messing around when it comes to the Lake Show.
0: That's right. <laughs> so. Um, as I kick this off, always, mm-hmm. Marcus, um, your story, man. If I if I just met you, what would you want me to know about yourself?
1: Well, I I'll, I'll, I wouldn't come out the gate to let you know first that I was a pastor. I always like to I always like to end with that. Lately, this has been a thing. I meet people and stuff. So I would want you to know that um, I'm a family man. That I have a wife. I have kids. Shout um, out Sharon. Yeah, shout, shout out Jordan, Jordan and, Judah. and Judah. That's right. That's my tribe right there. I would want you to know I'm um, someone who really cares about community safety and um, the genocide of like gun violence in our communities because that has been my career. We'll get into that in a second, but I would want people to know that. Uh, lately, I've been wanting people to know about a lot of good things that's happened. Um, first G, because I can, and this is uh, this ain't me getting all like high and spiritual on here, but at the <laughs> end of the day, I really like to let people know all the things I've done. Mm-hmm. So. At the end, I could tell them, but today, God has blessed me. I'm a pastor, Mm -hmm. and I can give God the glory. Sometimes I let people know about my incarceration. Sometimes I let them know the things I was involved in. But the essence of I drop a lot of things to people is to be able to say to God, be the glory. Or they say it because they would be like, man, you went to, you spoke, you got your GED in jail, and you spoke at Yale.
0: That's right. And it it comes off as a testimony. Exactly, And and that's what I tell everybody, you know, a lot of times, and you know, Podcast listeners, y'all know it. Just the episodes we didn't got into. Our pastoral team might seem like the NWA at times when they was growing <laughs> up, but listen, it's all a matter of showing how far a person can come. You know, God is like that, y'all. I want y'all to know that God is like that. So it don't matter where you started. It just matters how far you can yeah, we, come. We're
1: NWA. we the PWA pastors with a lot of history. That's right. <laughs> a lot of history. So speaking of history, man, where'd you grow up? So I grew up, I was born... Literally, I was born in Hollywood because my birth certificate says that. And it's fitting, you know, I guess. I, I always made the joke, um, First G, that I was born in Hollywood, but I'm not Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that means so much to me. But yet my life has been something of a, like a movie lately in life. Just when I go from the things that I, when the time that we're together, I'll share. But I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, on the west side of Los Angeles, Leimert Park District. Um, the rappers might have said South Central, but those of us that were from L.A., we call it the west side of L.A. that okay. encompasses Inglewood and all those type of places. But then my mom and dad are both from Chicago. So as a kid, I had the um, blessing to be able to claim both areas. So when I was in Cali, I'd be from Cali, but they knew I had roots in Chicago. So what were they doing in L.A.? Who, my dad? Yeah, so, your so, parents. My, so my dad went to... Um, He, he moved, my dad, you know, rest in peace. We did his funeral here at JNAC recently. And and I learned a few things in the obituary and so did people that read it. But, you know, he was, um, he left, um, he went to the university of Illinois, grew up here in North Chicago, and he wound up going out there pursuing his career. He was a sign painter, an artist. I mean, okay. He also so he made stuff that's in movies. The total experience, you know. I'm glad we're doing it. because People don't know I grew up with Charlie Wilson in the oh, Gap Band. Did you? Oh, well, knew him well as a kid. I mean, I got pictures of Charlie because my dad opened up a club, a art gallery. Because my dad was an artist. But uh-huh. then back in the day, art galleries were like, you know, it's no telling who would show up. And he, my dad, started knowing all these different players. And he was from like the Midwest, so, you know, that's how he wind up there. My mom, my mom, she, she's, she, she's still living, and she wind up in California out of college, I think. Um, she She's from Chicago, the south side originally. My mom is, and that's a good question. I'm going to see her real soon. Like, how did you wind up in California, Mom? But they okay. met in California, yeah, yeah. had me, and so my roots were always back and forth. Illinois, California, that's how I, like, I was back and forth. L.A., Chicago, L.A., North Chicago, you know.
0: Okay, so you went to school, though, in L.A.? I went to school. Most of my school
1: was in um California, San Diego. I went to high school in San Diego and I went to elementary school in LA. Okay. And then I had a little elementary school here in um North Chicago. Did like, you? Like a half a semester in the sixth grade or something. But then also there's a little town called Alton, Illinois. Uh-huh. It's down near St. Louis. Down by St. Louis. And yeah. I, I I went to my I did my senior year there, but I didn't finish because I ended up catching a federal case. And so a story we'll probably touch on. But so that's my for our school spots, those three locations.
0: Okay, so growing up in the school days, um, did you have any experience in church, anything?
1: Well, so my grandfather is a pastor. Uh, He rest in peace, my dad's dad. And so I've all come out of Church of God in Christ. He was a pastor here in Lake County, Illinois, um, on Genesee Street, not far from where we are now. Um, actually that church there that my grandfather was over is the oldest church in Lake County. Mm -hmm. Um, So before Mm -hmm. it was called that, it was, right now it's it's owned by some other people, but it was back Ward Memorial when I was there. And before that, it had another name. But um, so I grew up knowing about church. Mm -hmm. I, I, I tell this, like my dad, made sure that I spent a lot of summers here in Illinois around my grandfather. Okay. That was his way of making sure me and my brother got church understanding. Cause when I was in California, I never went to church. Uh-huh. Never went to church, not I can't even if it was, it was for a wedding, a funeral, but we never had I never had a church life whatsoever in Los Angeles and San Diego. Okay. Never had it in Alton where my mom and them is from. Mm-hmm. Other than my grandmother. There might snatches here and there, but the only plot related was consistent and it was here in Lake County because my grandfather was just a great man, and he would um, teach us. So obviously he ran the church, but I, I loved being around him. But he didn't force it on us. We were the baddest kids. Anybody in this community, that, like um, like um, Barrett, uh, Michelle Barrett, who is Tristan's grandmother, uh-huh. right? Uh, yeah, yeah. She, she can attest because she sang in the choir and different things and grew up around my grandfather when he was her pastor years ago. And me and my brother would come back from California and we'd be doing all type of stuff, man. Like, And they'd be like, those are the pastor's grandchildren? Because we were, like, hip. we come back here. We, we thought we were, like, way more hipper than, like— and they're like, you know, we didn't, I didn't like house music. Uh, I come up on easy, and, you know, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Like, what is this house music? And yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and then I didn't understand their gang structure because I come out of California, Crips and Bloods. I yeah. get back here, they got Baby Bricks and these are old names I'm mentioning now, but then obviously GDs and Vice Stores are a big you know, group. You it's know?
0: crazy. I was going to get into that later too. Yeah, it's Like, yeah. the different, like, cause I was talking to, um, I was talking to Pastor Derek. Uh-huh. And and uh I was talking to Pastor Lamont cuz they both came up in 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 the gang life too. Yeah. Um I don't know to what extent but they they went over what they experienced. Sure. sure. And it's amazing to me that around that time cuz um Pastor Lamont was made mention of that around when he was in there, they had just started getting like like a corporation type where they were like, all of a sudden, the gangs had articles of incorporation. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, you had to, you had dues to pay and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, I was going to try to get into like- Board,
1: they got board, called board members. They got ministers yeah, of security.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the, in Chicago, Illinois, let's
1: just say Illinois, they're, it's, I, see, we weren't used to that. I come from California. It's the wild, wild west. Yeah. So we don't have- So y'all they, didn't have- They, they didn't got have structure, it. but it's different. It's not like here where- you had these all the things you mentioned, like a corporation, or you might you might be able to say, "That's the leader of the Vice Lords." That's the leader that started the Black Disciples. That's the leader that started the GDs. Where in California, you make a name a few, but it's like a whole bunch of folks, and they yeah. might be. So it's a different mentality. It's the wild wild west versus structure in the Midwest. And I noticed that as a kid too. Even though, like when I would come back here, everything amazed me how they did things and how we did things when I was growing up in LA. So it was always a, a good learning experience for me and my brother. Um, coming back with my
0: grandfather and go back to your church questions. That's yeah, yeah. So so what was your first impressions of church?
1: My first impression with church, and that's why it was, I'm so thankful for my grandfather. He made it so—like, he never, like, forced things on us that people would have thought that he would have forced on us as his grandchildren. I, I never forgot that, like how he um, mentored us in our, our, our going to church. But I would say my first impression was— um, that My earliest one I can remember just to say that I, I mean, I, I I believe that if you did good, like any kid would think, you know. Right. If you did good, you're going to be blessed. You don't mess up. Yeah. Oh, I curse. I'm going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Or you know what? I, I'm not ready for this because I know I'm doing all this other stuff not knowing what I know today about serving God in spirit and not in flesh. But who's going to know that at, you know, 10 years old? Um, well, some do, because they God blesses their spirit early to learn and if they come up in church. But for me, I came to church, I prayed, I learned Bible study. I just would, you know, go on to the next thing afterwards. Yeah,
0: know. and that—that's usually what it is. You know, most people come on and they say the church was boring. and yeah, it's, and it's yeah. like long, man. We used to be, <laughs> we be like, oh my goodness, granddad's gonna
1: have us in it. It wasn't my grandfather; it was my grandmother. Now mm-hmm. she didn't play. She took us to everything after Sunday night service, Sunday day service, and we maybe that also made us like, man, we couldn't wait to get out and go do what we do. But we always knew that we loved God. We just wasn't ready to be this outstanding Christian that we thought that you that you had to be right. or, you know or you wasn't right. but at some point I realized that no, you know, um I'm gonna serve God, I'll get there, you know, you
0: know. Yeah. So growing up in Cali, man, um, I'm assuming you got in a whole lot. What 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 um yeah what what got you into that that gang life mentality?
1: it's you know for me it's it was about the atmosphere you know i love my dad be, I, i've been around a lot of my dad unfortunately had to do time in jail mm-hmm. um when i um the neighborhoods we lived in my i got uncles and stuff that grew up in that so it's kind of like it was so i was surrounded around it yeah. all the time and i remember um growing up in la la has more crips than anything just does mm-hmm. sit la periods, way more crips in la than than there are blood sets um, but I had family that lived in a certain part of l a. called Inglewood, which they were all bloods and stuff, you know, and they mm-hmm. were bloods from Inglewood, different there's different chapters of different groups in Inglewood. And so I always gravitated to my family members. and I kind of always kind of like read. And so when we left Sa- when we left l a and we moved to San Diego, San Diego's the opposite of LA. It's all mostly bloods. There might be small little Crip fashion, but everybody's a blood in San Diego, all the sets and what you're around. So, as a kid, we, we can, when we went to San Diego, I never forget this, left LA. And I remember t- talking to my family members back in there, I'm like, man, man, the whole city is all bloods here. Now, what I didn't know is that bloods fight bloods when they're the majority, just like in LA, Crips fought cr- Crips and all that. You okay. just, it's just yeah, like. Yeah. In Infight. fighting. In fighting, because you're the majority of what it is. And now, it's whatever the situation is. But San Diego, I knew I could. I would wear my red proud because I liked red anyway. I'm like, man, everybody's a blood here, so red is the color. Uh-huh. No matter how deep you were in or whatever, you didn't have to worry about like in LA. You might have to worry in my era in the 80s and stuff. If you were gonna be flamed up, as we call it, then you gotta watch where you go and things of that nature. Because once, once again, the majority in different spots would be Crips. Okay, but San Diego was the opposite, so it was like it was the some of the Crips that had to watch where they go and wear what they wear. Even if the blood's red eyes, still a day to day activity is going to the store.
0: It's like you know the most of the eyes looking to see if they see the opposite. So I always had this question, man. Mm -hmm. Like you know, you 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 see movies and like you know, whether it be comedy or drama or whatever, you know, the the Mm -hmm. the the unsuspecting person just walk down the wrong neighborhood and like they just immediately a target. So like we talk about this color scheme. Mm -hmm. If I don't know nothing and I'm walking down the street with the wrong colors on, am I going, are they like, is that like, look, you finna get got, even though you ain't even trying to disrespect nobody? Well, back then,
1: that could happen. Okay. And that's, when I think about it, it's almost the lesser of the evil, because today it didn't even, people just do. So even then, at least least me and you were talking here, it don't make sense. At least uh, innocent person. Now it don't matter what color you are, or whatever you're in a certain part of wherever Chicago, or whatever. Yeah, somebody might just kill you because you looked at them crazy. Yeah. You know. So even things have changed over time. Yeah. And that, so I'm not. So I'm saying even though that might look crazy, it's crazier now Absolutely. than it was on far as what could happen walking down streets with gangs or whatever they may because they just might want to rob you just for the heck of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, but back then it was like that in my early part of the 80s. I was born in 73, so like 78. 80, 81 were those years when it – it's the same kind of like even here. We're in in Chicagoland. Back in the days, it did really matter which way your hat was cocked. Yeah. It ain't a big thing now. You might find – just like the colors is not too big of a thing. Right. Even though Crips still wear blue, but it's it's a different era of what sets things off. Yeah. Although maybe police and government may want you to believe that – this is gang related and all that stuff. I know better in the work I do today. Um, whereas that it's interpersonal stuff. It just may be two gangsters that got into it at a club right. over, over something that had nothing to do with they said. Mm-hmm. But if I shoot you and you a uh, uh, vice lord and I'm another faction uh, GD or something, then they're gonna look at that. The government usually just look at it gang violence. It wasn't gang violence just because we affiliated and that's what we grew up in. Every altercation and shooting is not a, is not. Back I would say more of it's interpersonal, something that happened, a disrespect, whatever it may be. And we just happen to be from a gang in our mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. That's how the media and the police department and them sometimes just coop everything because yeah. they don't care about that. You know, like gang violence. That's yep. all we know, you know. So
0: so growing up though, knowing all that even back then, were you did you have a level of fear in the life you was in? Or Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I'll be lying about it. I mean I and, and, and like it was a gradual thing
1: for me. Like I, I actually wanted to play basketball and rap, you know. Okay. But you know, you it, it's like. What your environment? You hang around enough, you start picking up more Absolutely. of it, and before you know it, you see yourself more in it than what you was. So yep. it wasn't like I set out. These were my friends and people I knew. It just became part of the culture. I didn't set out to say I want to be a blood to be a, involved in gang stuff. They just became my friends. I lived in the neighborhood. You know, um, I didn't do all that jumping in and all that type of stuff. People do do that. There's yeah. different levels yeah. of stuff. But I was my family. They're born there. I'm around it. You know, it's like sometimes they say you either born in it or are sworn in it. Yeah. Right. I had a little, I had more of the boring part just because of where I grew up at, who my dad was, although my dad was a guy from Chicago that never would claim no gang because he was just a a Mm go-getter, you know, he was a pastor's son, he was a hustler, hustler. and and I I tend to have more of that side of me, but I came into an era when you hustling with a bunch of the people that you rocking with, so you can't be hustling with them if you ain't going to be with them, you know what I'm saying? It ain't no, like, I'm hustling, I just sail to the bloods. No, we
0: are rocking together, and you're with us now, Yeah. It, I'm assuming then, growing up in that environment, you've had several run-ins with law enforcement. You know what I? You know later, like um, when I got to be maybe
1: seventeen, I really wasn't a bad bad teenager. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, I just I was sneaky, you know, with all the stuff I'm saying, and and even my dad didn't play either. Like, it wasn't like like he didn't play. He he would be he'd be aggressive on us. Um, my mom was a little more lenient, and but. I, I, I would say, for the most part, not until I got right around 16 that I really started to um, do more things. Um, I remember being at a house party in San Diego. Remember, I said San Diego's majority bloods. So we mm-hmm. go to the house party. I might have been at 16 or 15, and I went. And I remember somebody just came by, and started shooting. They say some Crips were shooting. We all, I'm gonna I say, it was scary because we, we people were trampling on us. We were in just a garage, garage up, bunch of kids. And it came by and they shot in there, whoever they were shooting to get or whatever. It wasn't mm. like they let's get Marcus here a blood. Cause I, I didn't go tag my name anywhere or nothing. So I'm one of them people that, I live here, I claim it all, you know, I know it. I've been here, I grew up in it. Right. But I wasn't like tagging. But there's people that do all of that. I just mm-hmm. wasn't that diehard with it. But I was all the way in the part with my friends and with them, where they gonna be at. I remember holding a gun for my buddy, you know, that he had some enemies at a thing, and he he. He had a gun, and he wanted me to hold his other gun. And nothing never happened, but it was a big game between Lincoln High School and Morris High. I went to Morris High. Morris High is located in an area we call Skyline. Skyline area is the blood area. They wear red. Lincoln High School, where Marcus Allen went in San Diego, is they wear green. They're called Lincoln Park pyrus Skyline mm-hmm. pyrus Lincoln Park Piru. Both are bloods. Enemies with the school. So the games, when we were, if we went that game, they had to do at a college. It's same thing day and era now when you get those rivalry schools. So when we go to, I, I like school, I like sports and stuff. So I wasn't one to, I went to school. Now I didn't, I wasn't trying to drop out. Right, when I was in school, you know, and so I'd enjoy that. But at those games, that's gang banging happens there because right. you from this school, you're wearing green yep. and things of that nature happen, you know. So I, I found myself. Getting in trouble with that type of stuff because you're riding with your partners. You know, mm-hmm. we get into fights and things of that nature. And after that, you're in. You know, mm-hmm. there ain't no like, well, I really wasn't with them, but you know, I'm no, they're going to try to get at you, whether it's just a fight. It wasn't like, I don't think when I grew up, everybody was just going to go murder you so fast. Right, it's like right. they want to catch you and whoop you. Right. Fighting, you know, fighting. Fight. Yeah. Yeah, fight. Yeah. yeah, that's I come up in that area. It wasn't a bunch of gun play. Right. You know, I, I, the gun I told you that I hold, that wasn't such an old looking Gun and it's, yeah yeah you know it didn't look like I think about it now it was nothing it was yeah. like an old Dillinger or something it was yeah. not it wasn't gonna make no noise maybe make somebody mad man you didn't pull out the little thing you didn't made me mad you didn't stung me I'm gonna get you for real so, right
0: you know. so moving forward yeah. though I know you've spent some time um incarcerated so what when did you when did you get uh locked up so I
1: I had left California just to get away to change and go see my mother in Southern Illinois. She was living in Alton at the time, and I told my dad, "I'm gonna go back. I ain't seeing my mom. I want to live, you know, give her some time in my life. I want to graduate so she could see me graduate. Okay, because she's not in California. So my you're dad, still in high school. I was still in high school. I was about to be a senior, and so I was like, right, in my eleventh grade. I, I made my transition. I was. I used to play basketball too, so I, I knew that I didn't know playing ball and everything was gonna keep me. It still didn't stop us from gangbanging, banging, wearing and stuff. But at least I had sports, right? And so people would say, uh, "Marcus played sports," but he was with he had blood. But he he didn't want to. I wasn't trying to give all my life to the, other than gambling. Yeah, and that's the whole. I gambled. My I'd be in the projects gambling because I used to shoot dice. Okay. And so I was a hustler. Like I said, I, okay. I was stronger hustler than anything. I'm trying to get some money. Yeah. But then when I um when I came back to my mom for to start my senior year in Alton. As in my bio it says, and a lot of my things and the work I do today, I didn't get a chance to graduate because I ended up catching a federal case my senior year um, by being in this little town in Alton and being connected to a drug conspiracy that was bigger than I even knew wow. that I was a part of it um, that would ultimately um, be one of the biggest conspiracies out of this little town involving some major people. Wow. You know, um, one of the ladies – um, they call her the queen pin. People in the church that come up to me, we seen you on BET because I'm on BET American Gangster Series. And some some of the church still don't know. not. But I uh, have been featured on American Gangster Series. My co-defendant, who one of the people that was on my case back when I caught that case in 1991, um, 18 years old, her name is Jamika Mosley Thompson. She's a um, queen pen in the country, uh, African-American lady, who changed her life in jail, it was on my case. We had a case together. She had BET do a segment on me with her because mm-hmm. BET was doing American Gangster. but they did it all on the females. And so um, she, um, I, she you know, she was locked up with us. It was her case. And so we got real cool. And years later when I came home, she had me on that show. But that's the level of people that I was around. She was like, I mean, at least a million a month, mm-hmm. at least a million a month. Now, I wasn't making a million, but I was around the millions of people at a young age. You yeah. know? And so she... Um, you Know today that people can go on BET, it's called Trap Queens American Gangster Series, Jamaica Thompson, Harrison. Mm. And you will see me there, they flew me. So, I got to tell this story. So, I went out to California where my dad lived in LA, went out there to see um, my dad. He was this was early on when he was his, his health wasn't getting that well and things of that nature. This and was later in life, it's later in life. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna go, but one thing I want to say is like, so later in life, it got like that. So, and I met her finally. Uh, in person after all the time she did and I did, and she took me to a a Laker game, and and she had changed her life, and she was an evangelist. She still is today. Wrote a book. I didn't even know she wrote a book, put me in the book. Mm. and I'm featured in it. So she said, you know what, your dad? I knew they had did documentaries on her. But she never told me what this one was about. She said, You know what? I'm gonna get you flown back out here so you can see your dad and stuff. And I got the call one day and they were like, Hey, we wanna fly you back out here. It was BET. And I was like, You didn't tell me that. And it was American Gangster Series. I was like shocked. Wow. That she had surprised me like that. Not just that. They flew me back, and it was during All Star Weekend, so it was a lot going on, right? And I was like, "Wow!" And I got back in tune with her after all the years we did in jail. And I know I'm getting ahead, but it's just I just wanted to say, and we'll come back to it that that blew me a mind that she had me. And I'm trying to explain the BET thing, yeah. But that's how I got to be on BET with her. As her co-defendant, and I—oh, this is what I was gonna say—I had my God is Good shirt on, uh-huh. so I knew already if I'm gonna be on this documentary, I'm gonna wear. It. So I went and bought me a brand new God is Good shirt. I wanted to brand myself for who I stand for, and JNAC. Uh-huh. And to the day, people see it in our church here where I'm a pastor today. And people would see me, and they will be like, I saw you on that show, especially older folks. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they'd be like, we didn't know you was involved in all that. Yeah, yeah right. They'd be blown away. I was like, yeah, I don't try Look to like that, man. put it out but in the atmosphere. Marcus
0: is, always, Marcus is the most famous pastor we got here. Oh, That's wow. How, people know that. <laughs> so where where were you? Where did they put you when you when you caught the case? Where did you spend I, so the time? So I was time? in
1: Illinois. I caught the case. It was a federal case. Uh, obviously, it was like some serious stuff with some major weight and drugs, as they say, slang there. But we, I was in... So they sent me, for. I was in Indiana, I went from Indiana to Atlanta, then I went from Atlanta to El Reno, Oklahoma, then I went to uh, Rochester, Minnesota, Um, then I had made it to Atlanta, and then I went to Florida, Mm. and I'm saying all these places because some of them I I asked to be uh, educational transfer, a couple of them were disciplinary transfers, but it was good because it broke up my time. That ten years went that much faster. I had I got I had ten years. I was found guilty. I went to trial, and most people don't try to feds, but we went and tried them because we were like, we got a shot because we know it was a bunch of hearsay. And so we went to trial, me and my co-defendants after they locked me up, they locked up other people. they locked up Jamaica, the one I'm saying. Yeah, and we went to trial. She went to a separate trial because she wasn't caught. and it, it talks about this on the documentary if you get a chance to go back and check it out on BT Trap Queen Siri mentioning her. And it'll tell the story of how she went back. But we all got locked up, started in Illinois, and just started getting shipped. And they separated us like they do in the Fed because it's a mental game. Yeah, They want you to, you know... uh I, you know I know I, I crack up with Bishop you know and I, I love Bishop Capos when I first came to this church because he's telling how it is Bishop be like I'm telling you know I mean? like yeah, saying, yeah. Yeah, and I get it but for me and my upbringing that wasn't even an option you Right. Know? so I was like I, I'm just got to do my time I did the crime I got to do the uh, time I ain't helping y'all get, I ain't helping that's none me of y'all too. dang that's case that's me too you don't, ain't getting no help from me no that you know what I'm saying no, you got to do I'm your own t- I'm telling you got to do your that's you too yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. but I could you know back then my mentality was I was like you know what I got my in this, what I look like bringing somebody else in this um, to help y'all out, and y'all got to catch them. Yeah. You just caught me. I made a mistake at the train station, my case, and I was there. in Dominicans, you know, I had a lot. We had Dominicans on the case coming from New York, Jamaica. It was a high profile drug case that gave me 10 years. Like, I got found guilty from the judge sending me to 120 months. I remember I shaved off all my face. I wanted to look as young as so I was young, but I wanted to look younger. I'm up there working and trying to be like, You know, that judge didn't buy that. He was like, no, guilty. (laughs) Did you do the whole 10? So I did on the whole, on the 10, I did eight years, seven months. Eight years, seven months. And that's because I got a program where you could apply for, it's called the drug program. They would knock off um, they would give you six months halfway house and it would knock off another six months and I qualified for it. And the crazy part of that, God has always been looking out for me through my whole bit because that's why I and I really got heavy into God in jail, as they'll say, but why not? I'm in mean, jail, I got time to read the Bible every day, you know? Yeah,
0: I was gonna, I was gonna get into that. Yeah. I was gonna say um why you were in there. Um I know you've said this before is about when you started to really your life started to 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 shift. What ha- what 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 were the reasons for that? Yeah, you know, like um,
1: I was – thank God I went to jail and I didn't have no family or no kids because I was in there watching guys go crazy that had girlfriends and kids, yeah. and, you know, and, and they're older than me and some of them. I might, at 19, might have had kids and stuff. I didn't have none of that, right. so I didn't have that pressure. I watched it. I say, man, I'm so glad I don't got to go through that, um, having them all that stuff to burden on them. But, you know, I, I just – I went – Greg – This is why I am the way I am here in church. A lot of what's coming out of me and people know about me. I was the same way when I had no essence of church. I've always been optimistic. My cellmate got life. Mm -hmm. So while I was going to trial, at the same time a guru that was in my cell was going to trial, high-profile case, and he got life. Wow. And I got 10 years. So to me, my 10 years look like nothing. And I'm 18, and he's like, 36. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, or oh, whatever. And it was like the math. So I always i never been one of the ones that would say man, I don't care about nobody else. I'm talking about me. I looked at everybody else because I wanted to say I've always been optimistic. I believe God w- was going to look out for me for that because I didn't want to not be optimistic. And I would be like, man, it could have been worse. This or that. I'll be alright. And I, I got I got into my bit and I just start bitting. And then I started to read my Bible a lot. Um, I was around the Moe's bays as they call it. I was around the nation of Islam I was around a bunch of people and they they were good friends older guys and they wanted to convert me so bad but they really respected that they couldn't convert me I, I was Jesus Christ and I remember meeting them but I always been cool and'm to, to, to this day I mean I't God's going to do it. I'll be evangelist to people I know, but I'm not de-evangelizing somebody if right, that's right. what you believe. Because right. I've just been like, that's just me. So I had Muslim buddies, Nation I learned some stuff from them. They learned from me. But they, I remember the guys used to say, man, he'll be a good bae. They, Marcus Bay, Marcus eel that's that Morris Science Temple stuff. And then the Nation guys would be like telling me, you know, yeah. he'll be a Muhammad and stuff. But I stayed, I stayed as a Christian. I'll never forget that. I was respected for standing as a Christian. I got baptized in jail and I did a lot of stuff. I made hooch. I was, I, was, I believed in God, but I still was doing what I did. I, still I, had that hustler spirit. still had that hustler You know, I drank, I smoked when we could sneak some weed in or whatever. Or, you know, I, um, I was at a camp at one point and I busted out of the camp. I cut a hole in the fence, went to the club, went to the strip club, went to, um, and, and, and I was in Atlanta at my first camp. And I was trying to get there because it was in the hood. It's, it's federal camp in Atlanta is in the neighborhood right across from the project, but it's the only camp that has a fence around it because it's too much in the city. But pe- they had told me how people go out and get Big Macs and all that. And I'm hearing this, and so I finally had got some. good I was good, and they said, "Yo, you could." They said, "I said I want an educational transfer to Atlanta." They approved it. I was so excited. One, I went to a joint where it was all black people. I hadn't seen black people like that in a while because they had me in Timbuktu with a bunch of these cowboys chewing tobacco mm-hmm. uh, officers. I've never been so happy to see black officers put handcuffs on me and put me on the plane or get me off the plane because I flew a, what they call air fed. You know, they put you on a plane. They were flying me from Indiana to Atlanta. I get there. the The, the plane is surrounded by officers with guns. They do this. They typical thing they do. They shackle. We coming off shackled, head to toe, orange suit. But I looked at the black officer. I was smiling. And when I got on the bus, they play some black music and I got even more happier. So I, I was like Paul, think myself happy. That's why I always say I was finding good things. To me, it was the greatest thing in the world, Greg. It wasn't the end of the world because it was like the environment of Atlanta and the black folks and stuff. And when I got there, I found out that people snuck out and I um, found out a way to get me some clippers, and I cut a hole. We put ties on it. We buried the clippers. And we could have just left and never came back. But we came back because we didn't want to get no more time. If you're not gone over 72 hours when you're at a low security spot like that, they can't do nothing. But if you get back before 72 hours, even if they caught you, they're just going to put me in the hole or whatever. So we knew the law and everything like that. But here I am with an all-green Dickey suit on. This is a true story. A dicky suit at two places. Went to a club. Probably everybody looking at it, are they out the joint. This is a tr- two other people with me. And they're out now to this, they're out now to this day, the two other people. And they we laugh about this today. Cause we literally had snuck out of got out of this jail, went to the club, went to a strip club, and then, then we're looking at the clock like, oh, we gotta get back because then we know they're gonna do the four o'clock count. Man, you wanna talk
0: about a movie, man? I know, you right? really are you yeah. laying out of just the themes of movies That's right the, now? This is, it
1: happened, man. I, I, I remember getting like fifty Big Macs huh and selling them around the compound because Somebody snuck out and got them, and we bought them all. And we brought some back, and we would say a Big Mac was ten dollars. You understand? Like we, yeah. we, 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 was making the worst. It was you
0: know crazy hustle man.
1: Yeah, I was even locked up with Jim Baker and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy wow. during my time. As you said, what spots I was at. One location I went when I was nineteen. He was there along with Jim Baker, and they wouldn't let Jim Baker get no mail call. Or you know, He couldn't go in the chapel. He get all the mail call he want. He had bags of mail. And then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre person was in its own little pod where, where they were on Thorazine and crazy. And I remember I got to this institution. They had a salad bar, and I'm eating a salad bar. I'm like, oh, I love salads. And finally a good spot with because it was a medical center. And I was only there because I tore my ligaments playing basketball in jail. So while I'm eating my salad, time that went by, they're bringing in the last unit. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre's unit. He comes in. Thorzined out and they were laughing at me because I stayed in the chow hall probably two hours because I was just I couldn't I was finally got some good food after being messed for so many years at other spots but just that's a little jail history with craziness
0: that came with it. Yeah, man, you you definitely got a. You, when when's the book coming out? That's man, what I'm man, asking. When make, when is the book coming? I out?
1: believe that's something Blessed advisors may direct me and help me as well <laughs> because um, I've been saying it for years and somehow I don't have the organization that can, can follow through with it. And I know if I know anything about you and Blessed advisors and your wife there, you guys are. I really like
0: organized folks. It's not my strong suit because yeah. I juggle too much. Grade, yeah, you know. So getting out of prison. Mm-hmm. Um, where'd you read? Where'd you read? Did you? Is that when you came here? Yeah, I released
1: to here because my grandfather was still living.
0: Okay, and you know, out of all my family members, he
1: came to all the different joints I was at, and he told me, he said, "Marcus, people make a big thing about traveling." I like, said, "Granddad, how you?" Sh-? I would just. He would just show up, and more than anybody, because he and he he believed in me and would come see me. So I, I when I got released. I said, you know what? I got to go around him. Mm-hmm. If I'm around him, I won't relapse and go back to jail. like that. I knew that. I said, I can't go back to L.A. Mm-hmm. I can't go down to Alton. I can't, All the spots I'm telling you, the only safety for me, let me get around my grandfather, be around. By this point, you know, I'm 26. Mm-hmm. I'm more invested in church, and I re, re, you know, I'm, I'm digging in. You know, over the years, I got better and doing Bible studies with gang members and everything in jail. So I was ready for the church to get more in me and the Holy Ghost, and my grandfather— um, my grandfather did that for me, um, Greg, and that's why I came back here. We, I released to Lake County, and I became a member of War Memorial Church of God in Christ. That's where I met my wife at. Um, And, you know, here we are going on 23 years, coming up in May of marriage with my two kids. But I met her at my grandfather's church, and that's when I started to um dig in more. And I, and I found my way over here because uh, my grandfather passed away. You know, things happen, and God was shifting me and my wife, and we wind up. Coming to JNAC, um, and we've been at JNAC now. I've been here, man, since Jordan and my daughter is nineteen. Mm-hmm. She was in my wife's belly in this church, and so oh wow, we've we okay. been we've been at JNAC twenty years oh, at, at, at least, yeah. at least twenty years. That's right. And for the first two years, we w- I come out I, I wouldn't be a member. I didn't believe in all that writing down, being a member stuff. I had never heard of that, and nor did I tell my last church that I'm leaving. Now, maybe I I know I was disobedient now, but back then I was like, man, I ain't doing all that. I'm going to Jesus' name. And one day First Lady came over to me. um, First Lady said, we see you guys here all the time. You, we want you to, if you, you don't mind, let's get on the list, be a member. And then we're going to dedicate. No, she know they were going to dedicate Jordan, my baby. She said, okay. we know you're not a on the road, but we love y'all. Y'all, we thought y'all were. I said, well, I'll sign up because it was her demeanor. Yeah, See, yeah. if she would have came a different way, I don't know if I would have went for it because I was still a little rough around the edges in the early days of JNAC. Mm-hmm. So don't come tell me I got to fill out this form and stuff. Right. But I remember Bishop Cable saw me one day early on when he just met me, seeing me in the church, and he knew I was a McAllister, And he said to me, man, I'm so glad you're here because I know you have uh, many choices yeah. because he knew my family and stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, something about him and First Lady, I gravitated to the way they did things. And so we became a member after that. And I tell you, me becoming a member, Greg, stopped me from going to jail the second time. It was, I was under a second time. And, and let me tell you how God did. There was a lady mm. that went to JNAC. Mm-hmm. I said I would never get back in the streets after I came home when I released to this area. Mm-hmm. My grandfather passed away. He went, you know, on... I, I hadn't got married just yet, but I was in a process. Love church, wasn't no leader at Jay, not here. I was in the cutting Jay But what, what was happening with me is that I developed my own magazine. I got in the entertainment industry out of jail. Mm-hmm. I started to do this magazine because the What's Happening magazine is my uncle's magazine. When I was in jail, he used to send it to me. And I said, Oh, I'm going to get out, I'm going to be the first, I'm going I'm to create an ebony magazine. I was fueled by my uncle's magazine. So I started working with the What's Happening magazine here mm-hmm. in Lake County. Yep. I learned it. And I said, because first I thought I was going to come home from jail and be a rapper. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be a rapper. I wanted to do rapping. But it's funny how God, he knows how to change your course because he put me in the field of media. Mm -hmm. So I met every rapper. I had Lil Wayne when he was little, Suge Knight. Uh, everybody, Jay-Z, yeah, I, yeah. I got into the, the, I had a known national magazine that I built from scratch called Exposure. And I looked up and years that went by four or so years. And I was, uh, I was in a publishing world at the SBs the, at a young age. I said, man, look at God. I come out of jail. And I said, I would never go back to the street stuff, but then I wanted the magazine to succeed so much that I started to dibble and dabble back in the streets just to keep it afloat. I said, yeah. and that went from me taking more chances and mm-hmm. and almost got me relocked up because people here in Lake County couldn't figure me out. They said, "Man, Marcus is around Suge and I wouldn't do no nothing in this city." I was mm-hmm. smart enough to know that. Oh, you see me as being the magazine person. My grand, you know, you knew what's happening, and they were blown away over people. They knew my background. Almost everybody in the streets called me blood up here. Mm-hmm. So if they, they were, oh, that's blood. That's what they would say because they're affiliated with my California stuff. That's why I tease them. I say it's blood of Christ now, and they get the kind But they would, you know. So I started this magazine, and I would cover all the rappers in Chicago, Kanye West. Literally, I was doing all of this. That's how I met all these celebrities. Yeah, and. The feds started to investigate me again because somebody, you know, dropping dimes on me, as they would say. They got caught up, and they said, you might want to look at the dude with the magazine. So now I noticed that the police was looking at me, um, trying to follow me, Greg, and um, I caught it. And I said, you know what? I'm about to stop everything. I didn't want to go back to jail. I just had my daughter. My wife, mm-hmm. they followed me here to JNAC one time on Bible study. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell my wife they were following me or nothing. I just knew they were following me because of things that were happening. You know how you catch things? But what really caught it, uh, that's why I know it was meant for me to be a member here. I think I I I think I told Bishop part of this story just on a one-on-one. The, a lady went here and worked at the post office at JNAC. Mm. She would see me at church every day. She didn't know me that well. I would always come into the post office and I would be mailing out magazines all over the country because mm-hmm. my magazine was popular and I was trying to learn the game. So one day when I took magazines in there to mail out, I wasn't shipping out no drugs and it's just my magazine. But I was doing other things to get money and I guess these folks were trying to investigate me and they came in and they couldn't take my package and open up the box. But they just wanted to see where I was sending it. Well, with her being a member of JNAC and seeing me at church, she said one day, she said, I don't want to disturb you or um, alert you. Because she, she was like, I know you're not up in her mind. She was like, yeah. but that was only because God, God in her and she had to church. And maybe she saw something to me like, oh, I know he got to be. Because I was sneaky, Greg. Right? You know, I was just at church every day, but I had stuff going on. And she, she told me later. And she didn't tell my wife. She told me. And she, it helped me out. She was like, she was like an angel because when, when she told me that, that's all I needed to hear. And I said, you know what? I got, There's something going on. And then I peeped it, and I saw him follow me to my house, and that's when I stopped everything. They, obviously, they didn't have enough on me to put me back in jail. I stopped everything. I remember my brother one time borrowed my car. They pulled him over my car, and they said, we're glad your brother didn't. You tell your brother, we're so glad he didn't found God and he's not in the streets no more. That was wow. their statement to my brother. After they locked him up for having no license into my car and stuff, but I bailed him out. And But all those were signs that I need to... Matter of fact, one day, and this is all relevant to our church here, mm-hmm. one day I was leaving McAllister Sign Shop. Mm-hmm. Family business. I went up there, checked up there. As soon as I left, in my car, I had a nice car steal from did some of the drug stuff I was doing or whatever, but I was out of it. They came a little late. God shielded me until they was going to come on me. They pulled me over. They told me my car was fit the description of a car that was in a drive-by shooting in Kenosha. I was like, "What? I ain't never I had, my car. ain't never even been up there, but but I didn't have no authority over it. I played it cool. They t- say well, you can do this and that. I knew what they were doing. They were bugging my car. They literally took my car, took mm. it away from me. Everybody's seen it, Drac and different ones that's from Lake County. I was flabbergasted. Like, okay, so that was more signs because now they're yeah, just trying to do anything. Absolutely. So I left, So I remember I get a letter in the mail also about somebody I had called had a tap phone that, you know, I, I, that so I was in all type of stuff. I remember coming to pastor Derek, who's a pastor today the back then. He was uh, kind of like a mentor to me as, uh, um, as, as he was an elder, mm-hmm. elder cables. And he yeah. was a mentor to me. Yeah. And so I came and I told him about, it. I showed him the thing with the feds and you know, all this stuff that happened, this is post coming home. And so, I was, I was, thank God he gave me enough sense. I said, you know what? This is enough of a sign for me to leave all this alone. Mm-hmm. People were like, oh, why did Marcus stop the magazine? Because I didn't tell nobody nothing. I said, you know what? I'm just not going to go over people. Even those that didn't mean me no harm, I'm not going over and We're going to fire up this blunt and kick it or not. I'm keeping stuff away from people because I didn't want them to get caught up. And I said, I'm done. And people were like, we used to say I did a mace. You know how a mace disappeared all yeah, of a sudden? and absolutely he just stopped. Yeah, That's how I used to use that example. I had to do my version of a mace. I was done. And so when I said I was done, I was done. And I never got back into that. And it led me to the work that I'm in today. Yeah.
0: You know? So I'm I was gonna get into that. So, you know, you you going all over the world, which yeah. I'm gonna ask you about later, but yeah, your work in the gun violence, the the mm-hmm. community violence space is is incredible. Just, yeah. you know, and I don't I don't I probably don't even know the half of it, right. but how did that start?
1: A lady at this church. I know this is the theme is there. That's mm-hmm. why I, there's JNAC is where I'm supposed to be. It's the blessings all over my life. I could go on and on and tell people things about this church and the connections and how that's why I feel good to be able to now return the favor. I feel like I'm gonna be a magnet for connections for this house mm-hmm. because of what it did for me. And you know, I get a little emotional thinking about that. But when with a lady at this church, by the name of Donna King mm-hmm. goes to our church, a member. One day, I was at, I remember I told you I, I did the mace. So now, no more of this. I used to, I did big concerts. I brought Fat Joe to Chicago. I brought Ja Rule. I brought Jay-Z to Chicago. So I was, all of a sudden now I found myself back at McAllister Sign Company doing signs again. Something I didn't want to do. Yeah. It's after all the glitz and glamour of the magazine. So one day this lady, Donna King, comes in and I'm doing a sign doing my work. I knew how to do sign. And she comes up to me. She said, are you looking for a job? You know what I thought? Am I looking for a job? Didn't you just walk in a building that got my name on the billboard up there? Right. Obviously, I got a family, but God sent her to me to Uh, say, hey, are you looking for a job? And I thought that was strange that she would ask me for a job and say, I said, what's it about? She told me what it was about. First thing I told her, I ain't with no police stuff. I ain't no neighborhood watch. I don't do that. That's not what I'm on. She said, no, come check it out. I think you'll be surprised about this work called Ceasefire that that State Rep Eddie Washington was wanting to bring up here to this area. Rest in peace, State Rep Eddie Washington, a member of this community, mm-hmm. Lake County. And so I went to the first meeting. I got a p- panel interview. I asked all my questions, why they asked me questions, and I said, oh, I could probably do this. I, p- I passed every question they asked me that they was trying to see who could do this type of work. And so the leader at the time, T.O. Hardeman, out of Chicago, ran for governor and stuff, he um, – said, yeah, I think you'll be good at this. And so I took it on. So what was the work? It was using your background and your influence of relationships mm-hmm. to be able to mediate conflict in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, like, I knew a lot of people. The, the work is about relationships. Right. So I could hear about two people that's into it, go right. talk to one of them, and say, man, leave that alone. You right. know? So we used our credibility. I was a real credible person, still credible up here, but right. I was real credible. My, As they say, there's no smut on my name mm-hmm. you know i i didn't snitch i got good credibility people know my story they know what i did they seen all the magazine stuff so i could reach a lot of people cuz they knew me mm-hmm. but now i was in this space at first when people in lake county saw me doing the work they thought it was oh, uh, got, that got to be a drug front for him. Right. Because they'd known about all the magazine and stuff. Here it is. I'm right. I don't have my... I lost everything. You right. Know, he, he's like, God stripped me all my possessions, mm-hmm. my jewelry, everything over here. Like, once I said I'm done, He now he starts stripping stuff. Yeah, bare bone, get you back. You don't got nothing. Yeah. No more. And I didn't have nothing. My watches, I had jewelry, um, Greg. I sold it, pondered it, whatever I had to do to survive, to just stay out of jail and change my life. And when, that, when I got into this work and found out When they got on my panel and I found out what it was about to use my influence, and I did it one time, and a guy called me one time when he pistol whipped somebody, Mm -hmm. and he said, look, that's what you do, right? You better go talk to him because if you come back over here... I'm going to have a problem with them, you know. Right. And you say you my outreach person, and that's what. And, and uh, a light bulb in my head. said, okay, they're going to use me as the crutch. Because now they got somebody that doesn't make them feel like they're losing their credibility.
0: So so real quick, mm-hmm. I want to sidetrack yeah. just a bit with, by something good. you just said. Um, I know we running, so we already have, yeah, we have been in 45 minutes. I know, right. So um, when you just said about just coming to talk to a guy that got, someone got pissed whipped. Yeah. You, you were trying to mediate it. What was it like? So you said when you started, they were just, was ceasefire just starting? Ceasefire just started. This was 2003. So during those first early days, how did people in that life respond to y'all coming from that avenue? They responded well because they. The
1: philosophy of the work—you get people that got credibility. Our whole team was people that X this X gangster disciple had relationship. So when you have the relationship, they only respond because they know you, right? That they trust
0: you. Like it was, so they start to you can get in their business a little bit because you grew up with them. You might so the so the trust was there. The trust but was there. But there my you go. question is, you not coming from? I wanna, I wanna, I wanna join. I wanna do this. I wanna do that. You telling them, even though they trust you, yeah, you right. telling them, yeah. To chill out, basically, because
1: you know what? Okay, now I understand the question even better. Here's the thing: most people can get with stopping violence, even if you're a drug dealer, bodies dropping. Do you do you know don't, well. Don't don't help. So you, right. most people technically don't. They're not against violence being stopped. So if we were like the cease selling drugs movement, uh huh, it would have been a whole different thing. Because what you gonna replace me? I make money selling drugs, and right, right, man. You know, y'all are the police, but most people, it's. It, it, have conscience where they don't want to see people just dying. That yeah. don't mean we stopped everything, but we were in a lane that wasn't a bad lane. We weren't around a whole bunch of devilish people that said, no, right. we like killing. Right. We like killing. What do y'all do? Like? We like to see by- everybody could adapt to saying, let's stop this nonsense. Right. I don't care who you are. Right. We had Avon Barksdale join this type of work, and he's from The Wire, yeah. the show on HBO, and he understood that this was something that's needed. Yeah. Who, who, I, who I was a friend of mine, rest in peace, in this work. So People got it. They understood it. We didn't get in all their business. This wasn't the why you SAG moment, why you smoking movement. Right, right, but right. we right. didn't get into I all the other stuff. Yeah. We stayed in a lane that they could understand. It's about safety. And then if they opened up the door... Then we take them to the school thing. If you open the door, oh, you want to go to church? I got you. But we didn't come on that. We came on a thing that they could say, okay, you're not stepping on my toes too much. You're just saying, how do do we stop stuff? Because it's not good for nobody. No one wants to look over their shoulder all the time, especially if they can get somebody that can stop that from happening. Nobody wants to get a hundred to life in jail, so you know you just gotta have the right people stopping that. That's why it was received good. If we were trying to do everything, why you curse? Why you? Why you do this? Why you ain't in school? Then then it'd have been like, y'all like everybody else. Yeah, we wasn't like everybody else. We were from the neighborhood, saying, look, we just gonna stop this violence. Ultimately, we don't want no more bodies.
0: We want no bodies. Nobody gets shot. Yeah, forget all that gunplay. Yeah. So from ceasefire. You went to to where? How long were you in ceasefire? I was in ceasefire for 18 years.
1: It, it morphed from ceasefire changing into Cure Violence. Okay. And I went from being somebody that worked in the community in North Chicago when we were underneath the rec center uh-huh. to when uh, we were underneath the rec center to then when Waukegan Township had an office for us. And we served Waukegan and North Chicago to one day my church said, you know what? Waukegan Township didn't want to do it no more. Right, And Waukegan Township said, JNAC, if y'all want to do it, JNAC said, we'll do it. And But we want Marcus to be the program manager. I don't, I don't have a degree, but they were like, well, we got degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop said that, and so did Pastor Today. She went to that meeting. I didn't even go to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Pastor Tiffany went, Bishop Caples went, and they came back from Chicago and said, T.O. and them said, they knew who I was. Anyway, I was doing the work, but they said we – because I was already with other organizations. So they were like, well, if you're going to get the money, Marcus can – because program managers, you had to have a degree at first. Mm-hmm. It's changed it since, but back then they utilized their degree as backup for me and I started to do the program where I was in control of it, and mm-hmm. I even got even better at it because now I'm the highest person. Once again, a blessing that came out of this church is now even telling you about it, it's like the story of what JNAC has done for me and resents to this work and for you know it, it's amazing even saving me from going back to jail. It all boils back to somebody in this church. Yep, I, I didn't really look at it like that until you're bringing out the questions, but that is that's that's phenomenal, man. That's a covering that you know in this house and so I was with him for 18 years um and after 18 years we went our separate ways I was actually released in 2020 after going from 2003 to all the way to 2020 um going on my 18th year I was released for no reason whatsoever but Bishop said it wasn't a releasing he said they weren't firing you nor did they hire you little did I know God had something else for me but prior to me even going into the next stage of this work I had, I had already went to Africa, launched a site in Africa, went there twice. I, I learned a lot when I was with that organization. So it was, a, it was a learning ground for me. And once they got to the point where it probably was going down a devilish way and God said, okay, now I can remove you. Now you're ready to do your own thing. I didn't see it though. I was devastated when...
0: I remember that. that So that's right around my lane. I remember having a conversation with you because, you know, obviously we, we all had a relationship at that time and yeah. I remember you when you had lost your, your job um, mm-hmm. and... It, like you said, it did devastate you. And yeah. I remember, I'm sure you got, um, um I'm not saying that mine was, was this huge moment. I'm sure you got advice from everyone. But I do remember telling you that the relationships you have built while in your job yep. is your meal ticket. That's right. That is more important than the company that you work for. Yes. Because... While the company may have let you go, the company wasn't meeting with all these people. They weren't having face-to-face no, conversations. Right. They exactly weren't right. developing. They knew, even though you was markets of Cure Violence, they knew. You. They knew me. They, they bought into Marcus. the work because of so me. So even right. though it, it's similar to when you're talking about uh, uh, talking to people in the street, it's like once you were done with Cure Violence, decided to make the mistake of letting you go. Yeah, that's exactly. You still had relationships, so you yes. were trusted to go out here, and it was like, "Well, I, why do I need cure violence? Exactly. All I need is Marcus."
1: That's right, man, and that's what happened. And then we like, as we say, I cut out the middleman. Yeah, and so I became beholder of how the contracts look, how much work gonna do. I, I dictate my time, even though I work harder now than I did for them because you know, I'm because, independent and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm building. That is but, one thing. Like but this, the reward the... is way bigger, too, because yeah. it's like you know, like way, 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 way better. You Absolutely. Know what I'm God is so good with that. But that is what happened for me. And all that experience, all those countries, all those cities, all those mayors, I had met all of them through Care Violence. Now I had their numbers in my Rolodex. Absolutely. Now they rocked with me anyway. Yep. And when it got out that I was a free agent, me and you are Laker fans, when it comes to training in, G- in this work in the country, yeah. I am the Kobe of it. You know? yep. And people know it. I, I like I, My resume is too long that God has blessed me with all over the country, which is leading to so many things today where I'm a professor at, at University of Chicago for this work. I have multiple clients like Live Free USA, who also was one of the first person to say, what, Marcus is available? Look, man, we what you want to do with us? And I had it in my mind. I said, I'll work with a lot of people but I'm not going to dedicate myself to nobody. It's got to be through my company. And people say, we understand that. So mm-hmm. now everything I do is through McAllister Consultancy and Training, everything. Mm-hmm. University of Chicago would easily give me a full-time. I don't need their full-time. I need them to trust me to do my consulting. They pay me like I'm their best staff member there, and they love me. So right. same thing with Live Free. I love Pastor Mike who, McBride, who runs Live Free. But he said, Mark, we'd love to use you with your expertise. Help us out. And then before, before you know it, Greg, I started just get – people after people that are wanting my help, and it blew me away. And my wife had said through tears and me crying, My kid, I wanted my kids to see this. I wanted them to see that I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I held their hands and we prayed, and I said, you watch. God's going to turn this around. I'm going to turn this to motivation to show y'all. And I remember one day my kids came down, and I was in my office, and they were both smiling. Like, what y'all smiling about? And they were like, it's so good to see you bounce back. Mm-hmm. You know, God help you. Like you said it was going to happen. Cause at this point now I'm I'm grooving. I'm going around the country. I'm yep. doing stuff for the White House. I'm doing all type of stuff, and they were like blown away. And shout out to Dr. Mary Roberson, who while I was trying to figure stuff out, gave me a part time reentry thing once again from JNAC, mm-hmm. just to give me something to go on. And I had told her when she first asked, I said, Dr. Mary Roberson, I'll help you. Thank you for the opportunity. I don't know how long I'm going to stay because I believe in what's going to happen for me. And that was January of 2021. I got let go. It's January 2020. So it was the next month. Mm-hmm. By March, I had to resign from, from over at the um the thing because the wave yeah, was coming. Yeah, I felt you had it. too much to do. I feel, and I felt it. And then boom. And it just boom, boom, boom. And these last three years have been the best years. And my J-Mac members out there, that's why when I say – I was so overwhelmed. I love to give because I was watching what God was doing. Mm -hmm. Every year I look and already know I'm going to top what he allowed me to give last year. I love that. I get excited about that. Why wouldn't I get excited? That means he's doing extra great things in my life. So, of course, I'm going to keep giving. We have got better and better. And who would have thought that this church was prophesizing over my life when they had me and my wife do the stuff about giving? I was giving back then, but I wasn't giving to where I'm at now. But obviously, God was using me to, as a commercial to, when he was doing I Journey remember. to the Kingdom. I remember. And they filmed me. You might I filmed for, it. You yeah. filmed it in the pastor's office. And the stuff I said to my wife in that commercial, I meant that. Yeah. And that was four or five years ago. That was before COVID. Yep. And yet, all this stuff came after COVID. But he was preparing me for what I believe in. I truly believe in giving because he showed me that I'll bless you just be, you know, and I give in the church and outside the church. I don't believe in not giving outside the church. just that let me take her home first. But I'm going to give her a period of my time, of mm-hmm. working with people, giving them good action. And You're God sowing. has overflowed me, You're man. sowing. You're sowing, sowing and reaping. And that is, I believe, my ministry, that God is using me through JNAC to show about giving. And not just here, but even in the world, people are like, man, you done did all this stuff. Glory to God. I see, don't have a degree. I don't have a uh,
0: that's why that's why I love this man right here. It's just just listening to you talk. Mm-hmm. I, I hear the joy in your in your and and the realness, the yes. authenticity of Amen. what you speak, man. I really love it. Yes. So I know now, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna speed through a couple of yes, things. Sir, so, yes, sir, yes, So I'll I'll I know now you, you are it. you are now um Counselor, you are in training. You're not on the front lines anymore, which is yeah. a great thing. Yes. Um, just training all over the world, yep. developing different programs for nonviolence um, in many different atmospheres. I, I got two questions before yes. I get to the end here. Okay. My my first question is um, about the systems that you were brought in to, to oversee or to train. Do you see any negative things, even in people who say— Organizations, administrations, they're trying to help. Do you see any faults in in what's going on what, now that you're on the inside in these rooms? No, actually, I, it's the exact opposite. I've seen nothing but stuff like
1: overfloweth with people believing in this work. Okay. Like we had to struggle back when I did it. Uh-huh. We didn't have that much money. Now people know that this thing helps. Mm-hmm. I just happen to be on the front end of it, which puts me in a good position. But from the White House to every from the state of Illinois, the state of Illinois is right now is, is, uh, has me down as their, as the state of Illinois, is one of their primary trainers and TAs, because mm-hmm. um, they're giving out a lot of money to groups on the ground. Some of those groups are here in Lake County. I just left before I come here. I was working with a group that I had to make a meeting with. But I see nothing but progress, be honest with you. And I don't see... Um, Amen. It's all progress. Amen. It's progress. People see it. It's being invested. in. Money's getting to the ground. Um, it's it's a big thing um, that's going on in this country. And a, a guy just told me recently at a conference, he said, man, you're like one of the trees that started the forest. And I, and I can't forget that. That's like stuck in my head. And it, and it was so true. Because I was just at a major conference in Atlanta, and I looked around and I saw the forest, Three, 400 people. And I wasn't even a keynote speaker or anything, but you would have thought I was a keynote speaker as mayor. Mayor got up there and said, Marcus, Mayor of Mount Vernon, another keynote speaker, Marcus, would you please stand? This was not even planned. But it blew my mind because people were pouring into me. Organically, it just happened and people coming to me after from all over the country, it blew my mind first year. I was like, I told my wife, I say, this is the first conference where I've, and I, it's not that I look for that, but it, it's great when it happened. All of a sudden, everybody wanted to let everybody know how much I play to how we are today with all this funding and the White House stuff, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? like, I, I realized I'm one of the, I'm very old in this space, even though I'm not that old whatsoever, but I'm very old in it. I'm considered a true, true veteran in this country when it comes to community-based
0: violence intervention initiatives, all things across that board. And you know what's incredible, man? I I remember um, some people asked me, you know, I've I mm-hmm. I've interviewed all the pastors. Josh is the, the only one I haven't gotten to yet, which yep. which he's coming up soon. Oh, good. Um, But they all are hesitant sometimes, not hesitant, just afterwards. They're like, man, should I have gotten into every everything that, that I've been through? And you are the perfect example of why I say absolutely, because it's like, if you didn't have this history, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be so effective in making a change in the avenue that you're in now. Amen. You have to have experience, hands-on That's right. life experience to be able to run these programs.
1: Amen. People come up to me all the time and they're like, I go to a city, I was just in New Orleans, some practitioners I've known, they know me, oh man, we're getting back started, and they might have been in it for a sec or brand new, and they want to jump right to what I do, and I want them to do it. But man, you can't go to nobody else's city if you don't have the examples of the things exactly. that, that you've done. And, and I, God has blessed me to even add some of my old stuff before the work, because it all, but they got to find that, and you got to, they want to see that, but they also, what are you doing? I can give the stories when I was on the ground people want to know you can't go to nobody's city and talk this stuff if you ain't did it exactly. yourself so you're you're exactly right uh, Greg and I want to see more people do it that's why I'm in the process of starting my own Independent to trainer, trainer Academy, where I'm going to be training certain practitioners that are at different sites of violence interrupter outreach, and get them to come with me on a few trips, just so they can learn it. Because I want to pass it on. Because I can't keep running. I did 60 flights so far this year. Yeah, 60. I'm, I'm gonna end with 62 for the year. That's 31 uh, round trips, but 62 times I've been in the air, and it gets to be a lot. I got a family. I used to feel bad about like I'm running so much, but the good support of this church. Um, Pastor Tiffany has been my biggest supporter about what God has called on my life to do. Mm-hmm. So, but but I meant, you know, because I want to do my part as a pastor, as 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 I am today, which I didn't even see that coming when I got let go on my job. But God knows what He's doing to line you up, and that's played a major role in this new era of MCNT. Mm-hmm. I, everybody knows that I'm a pastor across the country, and they they know where my church is because I tell them. And and I get a chance to have ministry. I used to be like, well, when am I gonna? Am I dodging God to preach or when am I going to do it? Because I'm not like I'm just chasing after it, but I know it's in me and I told Pastor Tiffany this. And even people ask me, when are you going? You know what? Right now, my congregation is out there.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you and are preaching. I'm
1: preaching. I'm preaching. And, and that's just the congregation. So yeah. come to one of my trainers, meet me in the city. You'll see the markets. And it, it comes out because I have a way of doing what I do. And my life's thing, as you said, Greg, when you have these experiences that I went through, it's ministry, it's testimonies. And I get a chance to give God glory, and people are receiving that.
0: Amen. They're receiving that. So talk to me real quick before we end. Talk mm-hmm. to me real quick about the travel that you do, man. Um What is it like to travel the world, all these different Ooh, cultures? Yes. That's, that's one of the things that when I got married to Tiffany, because I was mm-hmm. a homebody for most of yeah. my life. But when I got married to Tiffany, you know, I started to travel more, yes. um, fly to all these different places. I've, I haven't been to half of the places you have. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't trying to I ain't trying to say I'm on your level, but <laughs> I got you. it's more about, I've learned this as I've started to open up. It's like once you get out of your bubble, bubble meaning yes. like where your normal life usually lies, mm-hmm. it's like you learn about how it is in different areas, different cultures, different wow. cities. It's always different. So what's your experience been traveling all over the world?
1: It really, really, really it intensifies my, my spirit of being thankful. Okay. Because I realize I've always been like that anyway, as I started out in this podcast telling you a little bit about, you know, looking at things. But for me to be able to went to South Africa into some of the roughest areas, to winter um Trinidad and Tobago and the Trinidad East Port of Spain, some tremendous horrific Killings, but also third world countries the way they they live. And then just moving around. I'm in the South Bronx, I'm in the projects in Lafayette and Baltimore. I'd have been to almost every project in New York. I was just in Englewood yesterday. Mm-hmm. So you know, even living up here, I'd like, man, we got it way better than what they're dealing with up there. But we got issues. So I'm always just looking for the positive. So if anything, it's intensified that because I see so much poverty. I see so much um, hurt and despair, so much trauma. Mm-hmm. I, my lens is going to be a little different because I see it so much. I know the activists in this country. I, I see some of the, all the stuff, the people that deal with the police stuff. So I there's no way I could get away from social justice. I'm in the middle of it. So that's why right. I'm so glad our church has adopted that and thrown it on our plate with this new generation of pastors and Pastor Derek and other ones that's going to be involved in that myself. So it just gives me perspective to know how blessed, one, I am, so I'm thankful for that. But then just to always be thankful, that's my thing, because I don't want to never get comfortable. (laughs) I want to keep being thankful.
0: Let me tell you, man, I had fun. I knew it was going to be fun. Yeah, me too. I I knew knew it was going to be fun. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm sure we didn't hit on nearly as – much as you can spew yeah, we out. Can we come back. Like I said, that book is coming. You can yeah, come back. Yeah, you can come, come back, come back, back yeah, you, I'll chop but, up with you anytime, um, Bruce G. Um, I'm not going to keep these people that much longer. Yes, I'm going right. to end like I always That's end. That's right. Thank you, Marcus, for being here. But yes. one last thing, which ain't got nothing to do with anything else other than me being the movie guy. Yeah, okay. All We're right. going to talk about your top five movies. Now, the rules. I always lay the rules mm-hmm. out. So you got to pick five. Okay, five. Five only. Um, and you can order them if you want, but it's not... Uh, Man, not mandatory to order them. Not mandatory. So
1: I will order them, although I could easily change the order. But just for the Absolutely. sake of... Absolutely, your a, list. Yeah, it's my list. but I, and, and all of them could be interchangeable. But let me just try that. I want to give you the order. I'm going to start from the bottom. My okay. Fifth, The fifth movie, I would say, would be... I like... I like comedy, some comedy, so I'm going to throw a comedy in there. I'm going to say life. Life. I'm going to throw life in there. That was Derek's number one. I'm going to throw a funny one in there. Then after (laughs) that, I'm I'm always going to lean more to the um, the gangster stuff. So number two, I will probably put in there the Godfather series. Because I I used to be into all that mafia stuff, casino, all that stuff. But I'm going to throw the Godfather to be that one. Number three, I'll probably throw in there uh, another gangster one called Shot us. A, shot us shot us. it's okay. about uh, a boy that rose up from jamaica to america and all that type of stuff i'll throw shotas in there um number two i will put scarface i'll put scarface because i really enjoyed that say hello that, to my little that, friend they my little friend and number one like i said the order just just the order came to the top of my head I won't put it in the form of gangster, but I put it in the form of like a good, well drama thing, and that is Shawshank Redemption. Okay, I like Shawshank Redemption. The storyline behind that, I thought it was a good movie with Tom Hanks and different ones right there. But I got a lot of movies, but that would be my top five that came to my right. head right now.
0: Tom Hanks one in Shawshank? Not Shaw, not Tom Hanks, but um, Tim Robbins. Is his name Tim Robbins? Yeah, Tim Robbins and yeah. Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Where he got locked up and he had to yeah. get out, he was a, you know worked uh, at a bank. Andy
0: Dufresne. Yeah. Yeah, do frame.
1: and for can I, and for a reserve would be King of New York. Okay, yeah, okay. Can, I know reserve. you mentioned
0: that one. I was like, where did that yeah. one go? With? So yeah, you, you yeah. kicked it out.
1: Yeah, I tried to, I threw a comedy in there because yeah. I, I I like to watch comedies from time to time too. Well,
0: my brother, that is that yes, that List is first year approved. All it, right, it's 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 the first gangster list we had on the JNAC podcast. All right. But but I'll, it, you, I'll allow it. I'll all allow all it because right. it's my it's, it's your, I'm I'm hosting, so I that's allow right. it. And it's first year approved. That's right. Amen. Well, Marcus, man, I. I appreciate your time, man, and everything that you have laid upon the listeners here. It is it's just been a pleasure talking to oh, you, man. And, you and thank you. Again, man, I love you, man. I
1: love you too, brother, man. Thank you for all you do.
0: Yeah. and Happy birthday to my wife. It was yesterday, but we celebrating all weekend. All right. Let me get on and get to dinner. All right. It it ain't going to be yesterday when it come out, but happy belated birthday. That's right. Sharon McAllister. That's right. We recognize you. That's right. And I recognize all the people out there. JNAC, thank you for tuning in on this edition of the JNAC Podcast. I hope you guys are... Hanging out, chilling out, just waiting on the new year, Um, just know JNAC will have a New Year's Eve service if you are in this area and you can attend. Go ahead and look us up and make sure you are here. We're going to start at 10.30 on that Sunday evening, New Year's Eve. Uh, Live stream, if you're not in the area, will be available at 11.00 so we'll have about 30 minutes in before live stream gets to come on for an hour and ring in the new year with jnac and we're also gonna have an after party y'all so if you in the area go ahead and look us up make sure you text nye to the jnac text line which is 847-321-7712 now that's just for people who hear this in time if you don't hear it in time i'm just putting it out there I know it's probably a couple days before this actually happens I'm just I just need to let you guys know that but again this is First G your friendly neighborhood podcaster signing out and I will see y'all in the new year